Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial. Go to audibletrial.com slash Rushmore. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Greetings and welcome to the Mount Rushmore Podcast. My name is Jeff, and I'm joined as usual by my good buddies Richard. Hello. And Michael. Hello. Howdy. Whoa, you Whoa. almost screwed that one up. <laughs> you guys stopped, uh, went weird from the beginning, so I went weird from the <laughs> ending. Ricardo E. Miguel. Always debate, deliberate, and question the mouse the most ubiquitous of any given topic and this week is no different as they debate the mount rushmore of things that ruin tv hyphen slash movie scenes richard chose it why um i think this came partially because of a few things that some friends had been i think i had been having a conversation with some friends and this thing kind of came up there's what there's one very specific one that our, our friend scott jones brought up that now that i saw it i can't not see unsee it and I think that kind of got us, oh, got me down cool. the path of this. Cool. Well, this is interesting. Is this, I think my list might be a little more generalized than yours. Are are you, do you reference like very specific scenes and very specific movies? No, or? not necessarily. Okay. All right. Okay, cool. I mean, there are some, some that I can yeah, give yeah. as examples, cool. but right. not like specific, specific. Super duper. Okay. Uh, Richard chose it. Michael starts. Uh, my first choice is the pre-wrapped gift. <laughs> Anytime in a, usually it's like a TV series yeah like a, i'm sure it's like a sitcom mostly where they have to keep filming over and over a gift being open maybe mm-hmm. for a different camera or maybe they screw up the punchline or whatever but it's always a box that has a top that's wrapped separately from the bottom of the box oh yeah so they can just lift open the top and then yeah. whatever the gift is inside one the gift is wrapped way too well yeah and two uh my first thought is Nobody ever wraps a gift like that. Like yeah. there aren't, and there, no one does that. It looks weird, and immediately I think, I, I do, I don't believe whatever the rest of the narrative is because this no, this isn't real life. There is no situation where yeah. this actually you happens. wrap a lid separately from the bottom, yeah. and then somehow rig a ribbon that covers both, but doesn't really exactly. Cover both. Yeah. yeah, there, you don't see in movies. If this was realistic, you don't see half-assed wrapping jobs. Like the kind that I'm, I'm quite famous I'm for in my house. The patch at the bottom that covers yeah. the gap between. Because you thought you had enough, and yeah. then you, yeah, or or it's something circular, and God knows how to wrap that, so it's yeah. got all sorts of weird creases and uh-huh. folded over. That would be realistic. Yeah, uh, Emily uh, used to have a kind of uh, gift company, a company where she would go and uh, wrap your stuff. Yeah, it was like oh, a cool. it was like a boutique. You. You hired her to go shopping for you to buy nice gifts, and she would wrap them and do the presentation really incredibly and be very themed. She did this for for a, a year or two, um, and it's funny now that we have. So, when you said she was a rapper, <laughs> different kind, of, different kind of oh, rapper. Wow. <laughs> uh, now that we have a fourteen month year old boy, um, the gifts are put into a bag with paper yeah. stuffed inside, and it's. Here you go. It's about yeah. a thousand times easier. Or yeah, it it just comes down to we literally just don't have like she's such a thoughtful gift giver and like rapper in general. And like once Christmas comes around, and especially for like the boy, like if you mm-hmm. give him a gift, like you know he, he's going to want to play with the paper. Yeah, most likely. But like it's so funny for like just this dichotomy of 
everything is so intricate and well thought out and all the little decor on it. To, uh, now it's like a bag with like tissue paper yeah. in it. It's like, here you go. Here's, here's <laughs> the book in a bag. And the book is the easiest thing to, <laughs> to wrap anyway. That's what we actually, for any kid's birthday party, we have, there's a, like a independent bookstore up on Larchmont. Uh-huh. And we go there partially because we want to, you know, support the independent bookstore because we're white liberals. That's what we do. Um, so partially that reason, but also partially because they will wrap, they will gift wrap that book for you. Mm. Like a super nice gift wrap with like the ribbon kind of going diagonally yeah. a couple of times. And then you get to look like the big hero who really put some thought into this gift wrapping. <laughs> so maybe that's what's happening in these movies. Oh, maybe. Maybe they're just, maybe everyone's so rich that they can just afford to have their stuff like professionally gift wrapped. I think I was in a conversation with one of our mutual friends, Corey Wish, who mm-hmm. works in the TV industry. And he basically... We were, I was bitching about this very topic. And he was like, oh, yeah, it's so that when we film a, a scene over and over and over, we don't have to have production stop and rewrap a yeah. gift or have all these different dummy things. It's just like put the lid back on and just open up and get the teddy bear out. And also nobody <laughs> gives a teddy bear in a box. Yeah. You just give the teddy bear. You just give the teddy with bear. With a little bow on it. Would all Not knowing the other choices that are made Parties in general, like a gift, if it was presented at a party, you know, yeah. you could extrapolate a party scene in a film has every known fakery and art direct, overly art directed thing from the relish tray to if it's the holidays, the Christmas tree or a podcast. Um, the podcast, I was there too. Um, their host, Matt Gorley, always comments on Halloween costumes in TV and film are always the best Halloween costume you've ever seen. <laughs> you're, ju- you're jumping ahead on uh, okay, maybe a potential future okay, pick. So. Okay, all right. Uh, Richard, what's your first? Okay, so my first choice is comes courtesy of my conversation with Scott Jones. Mm. and Pat, for, uh, former guest former of the show. Guest, yeah, the we show. should bring him back on for something. Should we? Yeah. Mm. Um, it is uh, coffee cups and mugs that are not filled. <laughs> This is endemic, and like I said, I had never really thought about it or looked at it, and now I can't stop. Anytime yeah. I see like a Starbucks cup or a coffee mug, I'm now paying attention to it, and it's like, yep, look at the way they're picking that up. That is way too light. Ain't nothing mm-hmm. in there, yeah. Like, like, you know, when you pick up, like, I've got a, a lovely glass of, margar- of margaritas mm-hmm. here that Jeff made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I pick it up. It's got a little heft to it, and I'm going to set it down. and It's got condensation on the outside. Yeah, you wouldn't see that in the. Yeah, it's yeah. got condensation on the. You're a little more careful. You're a little more how careful you put it down. It. You're mm-hmm. not just throwing it around like you would with an empty, mm-hmm. or like you would see in every TV show. And watch Gilmore Girls. This is a show where literally every person has a cup of coffee in mm-hmm. their a mug of coffee at all times in their hands. At no point do, is it believable that they actually have anything inside that that mug. As a character trait. Uh, about me as a person, I am so bad at filling up a cup of coffee all the way to the top. Oh, okay. When I get a cup of coffee at work and I'm walking back to my desk, I do, I've never learned that lesson. <laughs> Burning your knuckles. It just slops all over the yeah. top like, like it's an angry sea mm-hmm. and like water's <laughs> rushing in and it just goes all over the floor. And of course, I work in kind of like the facilities department at my work. So like <laughs> the one that's cleaning up is like me like knowing that no one else will actually grab a paper towel to do it anyway. Yeah. Like, I, I'm so angry at myself, yet I've never learned this yeah. lesson. That, like, just, I don't know why I don't want to waste that last. How about yeah. this? How about an inch at the top? Leave 
a half an inch at the top. But no, it's like right at the brim, that little millimeter. And those are the real life things that you don't see in movies right. and TV. You don't see someone who is just like, I would have loved to see that on The Office. Like if uh, <laughs> Dwight or whoever, Dwight would never drink anything but like water or like something. Beet juice. juice or, yeah. But like someone like one of their character traits was just like carrying a full cup all the time Kevin. and spilling it. Kevin, Kevin would Ke- be spilling it constantly. Yeah, I can't believe I'm Kevin at work. You are Kevin That's at depressing. work. <laughs> Although you did win a World Series of Poker bracelet, so That is a very interesting observation that you really have to like dig, you really have to see. You know, a lot of it for like TV seems to come down to repetition. Like these people have to do these things over and over right. and over. I think part of it is that Look, part of it is continuity. So that way, if you mm. happen to see the mug, it doesn't look like it's half filled and back up and then back down. Partially, I think it's because they just don't want an actor to get scalded by like hot, hot coffee. Yeah. Um, but I look, when, when someone's carrying a mug and they're carrying it practically like sideways, <laughs> that's a sign. Just put some, <laughs> what I'm saying is just put some, you know, maybe you can't put a liquid in there, put some weights in there. Or just get a have prop coffee mugs that are weighted at the bottom so mm-hmm. it feels like it. That, this that, can't be that hard to that do. That method acting thing, you know? Like yeah. actually have the coffee in there. Yeah. Although I did see I did see like a tweet about like Marlon Brando. I was like, Marlon Brando is this great method actor who stuffed cotton balls in his mouth. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's just you faking it by stuffing cotton balls in your mouth. Yeah, I heard that that's how he convinced them he could play the part, and that's how he played the part by <laughs> stuffing cotton balls in his mouth. You think if he was such a good actor, he would just like fake it or like learn yeah. how to do it? Well, he would, he or would get Rick Baker to give him some <laughs> monkey jowls or something like that. Pretend to be, he would just pretend to be somebody who has cotton balls yeah. in his mouth yeah. and just live the life. Yeah. Okay, uh, Michael, what's your second? Well, Jeff, you alluded to it earlier, and it's when costumes are just too good yeah. on TV and yeah. a movie. It, it's so unrealistic when like someone's in a very perfect duck costume or yeah, like a chicken right. or like anything you're just like no one is dressed up like that in yeah. real life a 14 year old kid with an immaculate dracula outfit like his mother wouldn't buy him an immaculate tux yeah. and tails yeah. and yeah it kind of alludes back to that thing that i talked about like a few weeks ago about like cosplay being too good uh-huh. and how I, I can't stand to see that yeah um over this last weekend there was like this proud boy white nationalist like uh, rally in like mm-hmm. Portland, Oregon. Oh, I didn't get a text. <laughs> oh. oh, sorry, Jeff. Okay. Oh, you gotta you gotta check your uh, yeah. Oh you, yeah yeah yeah. Your secret dark web yeah. text yeah. email yeah. Oh, okay. account or whatever. And um, all these pictures kind of surfaced of like all these fucking clowns, like all these fucking losers dressed yeah. up in like makeshift, uh, like bicycle padding gear, like kind of cosplaying like they were like Roman soldiers or these oh, great God. centurions. And like these people look, these people are dressed up in like this costumery yeah. of what cosplay used to be yeah. back in like the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. And like I almost appreciate it except for how pathetic these people are yeah. in, human, in, in real life. Mm-hmm. And like that's kind of what I still want to see on TV. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's hard to make a costume. Uh Richard, your wife makes incredible costumes, and I know that she works hours and hours and, on it. And goes to, like, classes to learn how to yeah. do this. Now, I, my only thought is, I, because, again, as we have established, everyone in movies is incredibly rich 
and money is no object to mm-hmm. anybody at any point, mm-hmm. they must all be renting these costumes, hmm. right? That's the only explanation that I... every every town that a movie has ever been set in hmm. has like an incredible costume shop. Like I think of something like a show like Married with Children. Yeah. Who I'm sure there must have been a costume episode or a Halloween. What's it? And like those people don't care about each other. Like no way do they care about what costumes they wear. But maybe you're right. Maybe there is like the super lucrative Chicago costume company that <laughs> rents out to the Bundys. Well, even like, uh, do you do you watch Stranger Things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so oh, the, the Ghostbusters costumes. Where did these kids are? I don't know. Middle yeah. class or that or was ridiculous. Have be able to get these pitch perfect uh, Ghostbuster costumes. The closest you can get to like a what's the, uh, uh, what's the type of backpack that they wear? The uh, ecto or the, the all the nerds are so angry at us right yeah. now. Proton phaser. Proton pack. Proton. Pack, oh, we yeah. got there. <laughs> <laughs> Only took five seconds, but we got there. Paul Lurie, who's probably yelling at the thing right now. Um, those looked way too good. I remember, like, as a toy, they only had, like, a toy Ghostbusters backpack, like, in 1987 yeah. or 88 after the cartoon came out. Mm-hmm. There's no way that anything would have, like, lights or look halfway as decent. Do you remember What the, a good pull, yeah. Do you, do you remember the uh, the bibs that you used to wear for a Oh, party? yeah, yeah. Like, they were just, like, a drawing of yeah. whatever you want to dress if you up were in. Dracula, it would have Dracula's face on the bib. And it would say Dracula. Yeah. It say Dracula. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In case you didn't have the point uh-huh. that went across, it was just like, guess what? It says Dracula. Yeah. You are C-3PO. Because even in the street scenes, whenever you see them going trick-or-treating, nobody's got a crappy costume on. It's mm-hmm. one thing if it, maybe they have that because they're the focal point of the show. Yeah. But other kids, there's got to be some poor kids there who are just like, yep, I went as a hobo mm-hmm. this year. I think just like last year. Imagine the perfection machine that creates uh, the production aspects of television because, like, those, those people are artists. They've been hired for their ability to turn out something perfect. It would be like ordering a hot dog from a five star restaurant. No matter what, you would get it and you'd think, why the fuck did they have to go through? Like a, a sprig of parsley on the side, it would just be too so perfect that you would it wouldn't be fun anymore. It would be just a hot dog you hated. Okay, Richard, your second. All right, my second one are bad accents. Crikey, this, what are you talking about? Hello, Governor. What's your What's all this then? Uh, Henry Cavill's English American accent is pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna pull back the curtains a little bit, open yep. up the kimono. Uh, one of the like before we started releasing episodes, a test episodes, episode. a test episode, episode that we negative recorded, one, negative one, negative one or negative two oh, yeah. was uh, I can't remember if the first one was months or if it was <laughs> bad accents in TVs and movies. Uh, but that was one of the ones we recorded. Oh, what no. a good, what and, a good secret callback, Richard. And uh, maybe we'll release that on the uh, yeah. Patreon if we ever yeah. get one or something like that. But. It, it's just a thing where you're sit, you're in the theater, you're ready to watch Robin Hood, Prince of Tides. Mm-hmm. Music's playing, you're all set. You know the English countryside, which is probably actually like Sherman Oaks, Sherman yeah. Oaks or yeah. something, looks beautiful. And here comes uh, Kevin Costner. Yeah. Hello, Maid Marion. How are you? Yeah. And it's just like, oh God, we're done. Mm-hmm. You know. And I'm thinking about some of the ones that we talked about in that episode, like Harrison Ford mm-hmm. and K nine K nineteen, the the Widowmaker, mm-hmm. trying to do a Russian accent, yeah. and he just sounds like Han Solo, like pretending to be like <laughs> Boris Badenov or yeah. something. And it's just there's just no re- you, you can't re- you can't recover from a bad mm-hmm. a bad accent. Mm-hmm. I I can't 
I'm trying to think if there's ever been like a really good movie with a, a character with a bad accent. Uh, this is a sidebar to that. Well, I, I think of uh, Dick Van Dyke has come up, has come, mm. has confessed to having a bad accent as Bert, the chimney sweep in Mary Poppins. And even as a kid, I remember thinking the accent wasn't good and it was also inconsistent because you would say, hello, Mary Poppins. How are you? Like, what? What? He keeps jumping from continent to continent throughout this thing. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> but then I also think it's funny when they have an accent, but they shouldn't even be having it. Like, there was a, I think of like Gorky Park. They're speaking English for the sake of the, the viewer, but they're speaking it with a Russian accent when in reality, they wouldn't even be speaking English. They would be speaking Russian to each other. So the, uh, that I always think is kind of funny. Then there's the person, then there's Sean Connery who's just yeah. like, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm not doing a Russian accent. Yeah. I'm not doing yeah. any accent. I'm yeah. doing Sean fucking Connery yeah. and just yeah. deal with it. Do you? Is it Mel Gibson in Mad Max? The original was speaking his. Well, Mel Gibson used to be able to do Bugs Bunny. Yeah, he did. Uh, <laughs> yeah, di- Duck. Different Mel. Different Mel. Don't That's worry. Mel Blank. Oh, so in yeah, in Mad Max, Mel Gibson, who had lived in Australia for about ten years by then, probably because he was originally from New York, right, and moved I think Wait, way what? when he was. Mel Gibson moved away from the United States when he was 12 or 13 to, huh. to Australia well, uh, huh. and quickly adopted a Australian dialect to fit in amongst his peers wow. and then was sold back to the U.S. as this exotic Australian wow. kind of guy. Yeah, learn but something in, new every day on in the Mount Mad Rushmore Max, podcast. which was filmed for an Australian audience primarily, he, mm. speaks, he speaks with such a thick dialect that they, dub, that they subtitled him, or I think they even dubbed him in. Did they dub him or yeah, subtitle him? I think him? they had a... I can't remember. But they did something... I love that this podcast had a whole lot of like interesting information and then not. And then immediately it was like, I, I don't know, who knows. Let me record two, two different versions. <laughs> His accent was so, so thick that they... How sub- thick was it? It was, it was so thick that they subtitled him. It was so thick that they dubbed him in with an American actor. So I think we're at our halftime. We are at halftime. We are at halftime. And even though we were promoting well-wrapped books as gifts earlier, you could wrap a Audible gift book if you wanted. You could give somebody a free 30-day trial to Audible just by going to audibletrial.com forward slash Rushmore and downloading a book for free. You can choose from whether 180,000 titles or more for your Android, iPhone, MP3, Kindle, or any other kind of player. And you get to keep that free Audible audiobook, whether you continue your subscription or cancel it. And go to audibletrial.com forward slash Rushmore to take advantage of this offer from us to you. You could enjoy that. And uh, we'd also like you to enjoy other podcasts. Here's one that we recommend. Hello, my name is Jen Tierney, creator and host of How to Make a Memory. It's a podcast that explores the items we make for one another and how they impact our relationships. Food is so visceral. It can just transport you to a place, a time. It can remind you of a particular person. In each episode, my guest and I explore an avenue of making and how it has helped them to grow closer to the people they care about. I'm gonna have two girls that know how to do electrical, know how to do plumbing, and know how to create their own furniture themselves. They don't need somebody to come along and show them how to do it. Look for How to Make a Memory on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Now, go make something for someone you love. And we also recommend you going to the iTunes or SoundCloud Stitcher. 
iTunes or Stitcher pages for this podcast and downloading, listening, and rating and reviewing our past episodes. We'd love to hear what you think about it, and we'd love for you to go to the i, and we'd love for you to go to the Facebook page and leave a suggestion as to a future episode that you'd like to hear us debate, deliberate. You could also follow us on Twitter and Instagram and other things. So yes, we is back. We is back. Michael, your third choice. Uh, my third choice is. Uh, when you know an adaptive choice is just wrong. Now, this happens a lot where there's a property, a book, or whatever that you know and love that you see get translated into a movie, and you're just like, he would never do that. That is so oh. inaccurate. And I have a couple superhero okay. um, specifics to point out. Um, ones that I'll, I'll say the one that I forgive. Uh, in 1977 or 79, a little movie called Superman 2 oh. was released. Yeah. Well, it was re- kind, of, kind of recorded or kind of filmed in 77 and part in 79. Yeah. It came out in 1980. Yeah. And in that movie, there's a wonderful scene near the end where Superman in the Fortress of Solitude is fighting uh, General Zod and Non and Ursa. And, By the way, I love Nan. Yeah. And Good in that scene... Fed the bread. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's delicious. Superman teleports. And then in that scene, he makes a duplicate of himself, like a hologram. Mm-hmm. And in that scene, he takes off like the emblem off his chest and like saran wrap throws it at someone. Yeah. What the fuck are these powers that they just <laughs> invented out of nowhere? But, you know... Hey, it was the 70s. Yeah. Maybe they really didn't know, oh, Superman had been around for 40 years. Yeah. They know exactly what he's doing. Yeah. Okay. So let's say okay. 30, 40 years later, mm-hmm. and like the new Justice League movie comes out, all of a sudden, Batman, he's on a rooftop stopping a criminal, and then like he discovers some information, just leaves the criminal up there, I guess. <laughs> Thanks, Batman. Would Batman ever? Would Batman ever just leave a criminal? Oh, he gets yeah, diverted. He would. He's a dick. So why wouldn't he? To just like, so the guy can just like get out of his like ropes yeah, and get go his, rape somebody. Yeah, and get his steal whatever he just stole. Hmm. Hmm. There's a scene where like Batman's like Bruce Wayne is like drinking booze. Batman doesn't drink. Yeah, like these are like little things or like big things. Like Batman's using guns all the time. Mm-hmm. I think that's the thing that is the killer for me in all Batman movies. Is he has like no problem just like using a gun, yeah. which is like one of like the core, core tenets about Batman. about Batman is he doesn't kill. Wait, in the he, Nolan films, did he? Use, I thought he <laughs> like, was in a, like all of like their vehicles are just yeah. like yeah. loaded with machine Armed, guns, yeah. and you're just like uh, even like the the uh, Tim Burton movies, yeah. Like he has like machine guns just popping out of the Batmobile, mm-hmm. and you're just like. Come on, have, have you, you not, not read? Have yeah. you not read a single part of like the weird yeah. mythology that? Yeah, Batman, and those are the things that, like, as a fan, I'm just like, uh, mm-hmm. I just don't believe your vision now. Yeah, uh, I am reading the Richard Donner book. Ooh, yeah, and the part about Superman is one of the most hilarious things. Whenever I think I have trouble at work, I think of Richard mm. Donner trying to do Superman, and the script. I don't know if I talked to you guys about Mm-mm, like no, the no, script. No. So. The Sol- Alexander and Ilya Salkin wanted to do two things. They wanted to start a franchise like James Bond. So they got Tom Mankiewicz, or a screenwriter from Bond. And they also wanted to do a superhero uh, story, a successful one, which at that time was Batman. So the first draft for Superman was like Batman 
full of campy uh, one-liners. Oh, like and Batman 66. Like Batman 66. Oh, wow. Okay. So the first draft had Superman having dinner with Lois Lane, and then he had his super hearing caused him to hear Lex Luthor was up to no good. So he's now he f- makes an excuse, leaves the restaurant, and is flying around New York looking for, Lo- for Lex Luthor. He flies up to a bald guy, taps him on the shoulder. Telly Savalas turns around and goes, Who loves you, baby? And Superman flies away. It's camp at its highest order was going to be Superman. And Richard Donner said, absolutely not. This guy is part of our heritage as a, as a country. He's the most important s- comic book figure there is mm. and demanded that it be rewritten entirely to be the script that they... At the continual... Um, agony of the Salkins. They hated the script. They couldn't, oh, it was just too serious. You know, they hated the seriousness or even just the fu- the wow. the milieu that it was in because yeah, yeah. it was almost like His Girl Friday, the newsroom, that they had some, some kind of... Um, fast-talking banter. Fast-talking banter and slapstick and stuff like that. So. Well, it's funny because like, there's a lot of like good comedy in Superman. Oh, yeah. And it's all done by like Chris Reeve, like... Doing character, Kent yeah, as like just like this oafish guy who gets his hand crushed by a yeah a orange juice juicer or like just uh-huh. walks into a wall and like oh yeah just to highlight how different he is from the super confident Superman yeah, yeah. so like there's tons of like slapstick weird stuff with like yeah uh, whatever uh, Lex Luthor's uh, oh yeah yeah uh, bumbling assistant with Warren is. Beatty yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. That's so, so funny. So it wasn't not funny. So he didn't remove the comedy. Ned Beatty, not Warren Beatty. Sorry, no, that would have been a different movie. <laughs> different movie. Um, yeah, so um, they didn't remove the comedy. They just went for a different kind of comedy, like not, yeah. a, not a bunch of silly silly cameos and things. So There's one other thing that I wanted to highlight, and it's sometimes, I think we talked about this, about The Simpsons a little bit, when like I think that when the authors kind of lose touch with their own characters... And they kind of feel like this. This isn't something that Homer would do, or the Homer that I knew growing up would do. It was happened in a Harry Potter book, and at some point, uh, uh, Ron Weasley, who's kind of like Harry's best friend, kind who's of the, the slapstickish sort of like yeah, he's comic not, relief. He's not an idiot, but he's not a genius, and he's just kind of he's just like your school buddy that's just getting by. He doesn't want to study. And I remember in one of the books, he uses the word gormless. And I remember reading that, and I was like, this guy would never use the word yeah. gormless. JK just wanted to use... Yeah, and it was yeah. like, maybe it's like, maybe it was totally accurate, but it's like, this is so strange. Why would you put this word in this character's mouth? Mm-hmm. And it, it, I think that there are some times when like, properties like The Simpsons or Harry Potter or whatever have gone on so long that you're like... Even even as the author, you don't know what you're doing. You no, don't know it's especially doing. bad when it's one author through the whole thing. Yeah. It's a different thing when it's The Simpsons where you've had like, you know, 200 different writers. Yeah. So everyone's got their own take minor on take it or, on yeah, it. Or yeah, perspective, yeah. Richard, your third. All right, so my third one is overused songs. Mm. Um, otherwise known as bad to the bone syndrome. Because <laughs> you know... When Al Bundy's getting ready to... Uh, <laughs> oh, Al's, re- Al's all over this he episode He is all tonight. over this episode. That might say something about the quality of Married with Children, but... Wait, when you he's... mean Ted Bundy? No, Warren Beatty. Warren yeah. Beatty, okay. Um, you know, whenever he's getting ready to, you know, go to the grill or get suited up for the 
alumni football game. Yeah. You know when that music's playing. Shit is about to go down. Yeah. (laughs) Was that song, do you think that song was used in the movie uh, Wild Hogs? Wild Hogs? The the, the motorcycle movie? Yeah. 100% it happened. Must have been, been. right? I mean, there's no, I feel pretty confident that 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 was actually in the trailer. (laughs) I feel pretty confident of that. Um, <laughs> and that's too bad because it can be a song like that, which is kind of a camp piece of shit. Mm, yeah. You know, you know, it's not a piece of shit, but it's just, you know, it's George Thorogood. There's not a lot going on with that song. You could go the rest of your life never having heard that song again and like, you're fine. Right. Or it could, it could take a, a an incredible song and, and make you go, okay, I'm done with that song. Like Hallelujah. Whether it's the Leonard Cohen version or the Jeff Buckley version yeah. or the Rufus Wainwright version or God, how many versions are there? That thing, anytime you need like sort of like a a melancholy character moment, just just break. It's just like, well, let's just break that thing out. And now it's like I don't want to hear the song anymore. I'm done with the song. I'm done with you know, "Give Me Shelter" by the Rolling Stones. That's yeah. another song that like, uh oh. Gang yeah. war is about to, you know, yeah. mob war is about to or start. Or any Scorsese film. That's what I was going to yeah. say. Yeah, any Scorsese mob film. Yeah. Oh, shit's about to go down yeah. again. Better, and, better queue up uh, Give Me Shelter. And I think you can save $20 million in art direction in a Vietnam-era film by playing any Credence Clearwater revival Oh, Bad song. Moon Rising. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. A, that's a good one. Also, Fade Into You by Mazzy Star. Oh yeah. If you need characters to be introspective, yeah, and like yeah. maybe it's like the end of the second act of the uh, romantic comedy. Yeah. I was uh, well. There's uh, I found a a top five bad to the bone movie scenes. <laughs> uh, talk radio, three thousand miles to Graceland, Problem Child. Um, oh yeah, yeah Problem Child for sure. Terminator Two. Um, I bet you there's another list in here. For me, uh, one of my favorite songs that's overused, or it is like a break into the third act. Um, song is um, Save It For Later by English Beat. Always seems like that's when the protagonist has realized that God, I love that, that wasn't the girl he was supposed to go after all along. She was the one who lived right next door to him, you know, mm-hmm. or often it's like somebody standing, looking across the street, the bus goes by after it wipes the frame, you know, the girl of his dreams is standing right there yeah. and they have the, the bye <laughs> to each other. <laughs> yeah, like London Calling's another one. Yeah, they need to establish that the uh, they're in London. Uh, they're in London. Boom! Yeah, the, Give, and then the of telephones a... ring. As I understand, every phone in London is ringing. That right. Song. Exactly. Um, <laughs> we need a song that's got London in its name. Quick. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I got one. That's basically what's happening. Yeah. And I wonder how bad are these people? Like, like a song like directors. "Wooly Bully," that hmm. I, is used. I was just looking this up right now. It's used in in dozens and dozens of movies. Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yeah. Uh. Uh. Happy Gilmore. Mm. Um, Encino Man, Scrooge, et cetera, et cetera. Is that one that's just that, that is used because it's so popular? It's just sort of a shorthand for something, or Except is it for just Scrooge? It seemed like a lot of those guys were just like dumb guys that like those are the songs uh-huh. that they knew, yeah, right. Or is it that that song's really cheap to get? Ooh, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I mm-hmm. wonder. Some of these songs, if it's just like the more that they get played, the less. Expensive they are because they're not as George, they're not as George valuable. Thorogood, entertainment lawyer. Like he's actually negotiating his own rights. You're like, right? Oh, I don't know if we can afford a whole twelve pack of Molson, George. 
It's okay, weird. you drive a hard bargain. That's so funny. Money. I said I wanted a, one bourbon, one shot, and one, <laughs> yeah, beer. one beer. That's my price for the song. Uh, when it comes, like, I think, I wonder what movie it was that, like, tipped the scale to, like, oh, we can charge these studios lots of money for these. Because I remember, like, in Revenge of the Nerds, there's like a Michael Jackson, like Thriller is played, like his most popular fucking song of all time, Mm -hmm. his biggest hit, and like Thriller is just featured prominently in the movie Revenge of the Nerds, and you're like, okay, they got this for nothing, nickels and dimes, and and if you were to try to do a movie with that today, I'm sure it would cost... Hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars. Yeah, I'm, I'm even commercials. I remember when uh, Windows decided to use Start Me Up for Windows the ninety Windows ninety five. Yeah, launch. yeah, yeah. Cost them three million dollars. Wow. So you know when you're setting the bar that high, I've got a, a friend of mine that works in music clearance, and yeah, a big part of his job is, oh, you wanted to use uh, uh, Strawberry Fields forever. Well, we're not going to be able to quite afford that. So why don't I give you these three or four other songs that are similar yeah. to it to consider? Yeah. So I wonder if, again, if there's like just music clearance people have these songs that are sort of like fallbacks and mm-hmm. they know like, oh, uh, they need a party scene. Okay, I, let's do, you know, Twist and Shout. Mm-hmm. Boom, there you mm-hmm. go. Yeah. Uh, I imagine there was a, an era wherein uh, entertainment conglomerates like Universal would just put the song that they have publishing rights to in the movie that they're putting oh, yeah, out yeah, yeah. and the artists weren't savvy yet to that. So Michael, what's your final? Uh, anytime a video game is referenced, a game is always called like Galaxitron nine. <laughs> and it's always like the dad is talking to his son and it's like, the son's like, Dad, I have to beat the evil space mutants, mutants with my <laughs> proton blaster, or else I yeah. won't save Princess Zorbon. Or yeah. it's just like, what fucking uh, game are yeah. you? This is so. This is so fucking unrealistic. Yeah, it gets my like <laughs> my my flames. Flame. <laughs> like I'm always so mad because it's always the same thing. It's always mm. some bullshit. Yeah. Space alien. Uh, you know, Galaga type sounding thing mm-hmm. or whatever. And it's obviously fake and it's yeah. obviously been through the writer's room and they go through a list of games that have already existed. And it's like, okay, it can't be this. Can't be this. Just come up with something that sounds kind of normal. Nothing sounds like the games that they yeah. pretend or it seems like a commentary world. on it versus a real game. Yeah. It's just like, like a value judgment. But think about it in real life. How do you get to legend of Zelda? Of all the names that you can go through, how do you how do you wind up on Zelda? Elda, Belda, mm-hmm. Zelda, Melba, Delda, but that doesn't count. Elda, Felba, all the way from Alba to Zelda. Yeah. Oh, you just wish it was something like Zab or something. Something. I'm gonna I, be Zab tonight. It's always like we got to get those blastoids. Yeah. We have uh, dad, dad. Just get, uh, five more minutes. And I'm I'm at the uh, I'm in like level twelve, and if I don't. Blorp up the flues of trills. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna zorp. Yeah, dad, you don't want me to zorp. And then, like, you know, Tim Allen is like, Well, turns to his wife, I guess our son's got a zorp. Some guy that makes three hundred thousand dollars a year wrote that, and you're yeah. like, I guess so. I'm so angry. <laughs> Play a baseball game, be like, I'm playing a baseball. It's the ninth I, inning. Ninth inning, Dad. I just it It's a World Series. Team. Oh, something that uh, he can relate to? Okay, no, it's always Plaza Blacks and the think, super 
What's most realistic is they wouldn't even have dialogue with each other because that's that's a time when you're not talking to your family at all. (laughs) That's true too. You know, uh, he'd be saying like, uh, 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 you want to come to dinner? Uh, 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 uh. (laughs) Richard. All right. So my last choice is unrealistic age gaps. Now this could be either. Partially, yes, this is partially the uh, Sean Connery and Catherine Zeta-Jones yeah. romance thing where the yeah. you know, hot 20-something yeah. woman is somehow attracted to the 65-year-old guy, yeah. the, the, which is basically the boner dream of every like mm-hmm. Hollywood producer. That they, they're, they're in their 50s or 60s and still yeah. think they can get the young scar- starlet for reasons other than the fact that they're harassing them. Yeah. Um, but I think the more interesting, I think the more interesting one is the parent and kid age gap. Yeah, and how many times this gets so screwed up? You know, like in the Alexander movie, oh yeah, where Angelina Jolie was supposed to be Colin Farrell's mom, mm-hmm. and there's like a two year age gap between them, and they made no effort. Wait, what? Yeah. Oh, Alexander. I was thinking Alexander in the very no good, rock, yeah, very right, good yeah. no bad day. That would have been <laughs> yeah. a, a real acting stretch the, for Colin Farrell. The the sword and sandal epic that was that was terrible. Yeah, 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 yeah. Angelina Jolie, two years older than him, yeah. playing his mom. No, no aging makeup or any attempt to make her look anything other than you know, this absolutely gorgeous thirty five yeah. year old. Yeah, it's just like, come on, guys. Mm-hmm. There are so many talented actresses who could play the mothers yeah. of twenty something yeah. characters. So you've you found that opposite the the rare example where it's an an actress of a certain age and somebody who is a male who is supposed to play much younger than her, who is just playing, who is just a little bit younger. Usually, she, yeah. usually the moms are the ones who are significant. The actresses are significantly younger than the yeah. characters they're yeah. playing because they still want the moms to be hot mm-hmm. and they can't figure out, they can't figure out like how to make this work unless the actress is actually still 35. I mean, it's Hollywood. So 35 is pretty old, yeah. right? Brain you know, can't work. What I find is I was thinking um, about Disney and how Disney princesses are all these very cosmetic versions, and now now there's a little bit more diversity in that lineup, but they're always the most cosmetic version of that diverse population, that representative. But then if you talk to a little girl, that that character represents who they are, and they want to be that character. So... Do they want an unattractive person to be that? Do they want to be that? But you can find someone who's fifty who's still yeah, no, attractive. I, I, I'm, I'm hearing you. I'm, I'm hearing you. That's, yeah, that's. But I don't. I, I I reject that out of hand. Yeah, you know when it's or when it's sometimes you've got the double one where you've got Amy Poehler as Rachel McAdams' mom in uh, Mean Girls, uh-huh. where Rachel McAdams is too old and Amy Poehler is too young. It's yeah. like the whole thing just gets completely yeah. fucked up. Yeah, I do. Th- think they are casting a lot of things before they they casting for actual age it's like is this person famous is this person talented is this person this this but then and the I last age they, like, is the last thing they the consider. alexander thing too i wonder if there is some sort of like eh, it's quasi mythological yeah hey who cares yeah yeah or it does take you out of the story crispin yeah crispin glover being uh two years younger than michael j fox mm. in back to the future but he wore makeup and all that stuff, right? Not in the first, not in the, well. It wasn't was, that done was for dad. story was reasons. Dad, he was kind of 
They were casting him for the flashbacks. I guess they were. I yeah. guess I'll okay. I guess I'll buy that one. That they makes needed sense. him to be younger. Yeah. Okay, I'll buy that one. Yeah. The, Robert Zemeckis, uh, you're off the hook. <laughs> <laughs> Collective sigh from all the Back to the Future fans. Uh, okay, we've had our we've had our fun. We've had our fun. Uh, I hope we haven't taken you out of the movie or TV show that uh, you love most by mentioning it and ruining it for you. Um, if there, if you what I did, hate about Star Wars is yeah. <laughs> if you did want to go all the bzz, bzz, bzz noises to the George Thorogood Bed of the Bone wiki, you'll see the thirty <laughs> films that this was used in. That's incredible. Yeah, pretty pretty amazing. Um, so also in a Wrangler jeans commercial with Dale Earnhardt Jr. and a commercial, a commercial with comfortable jeans. Brett, That's Brett what we Favre. Do, guys. We just got to record one podcast that they use over and over in, in different films. And then yeah. we can retire. Yeah. <laughs> a license we'll sell, we'll is different. Good, good, good thing. We should attempt that. Uh, the votes will be for wrapped gifts. Um, also for just because it uh, is so near and dear, I think the. Um, Characters who are abandoning their kind of core identity, a la Batman, and then uh, because it's political, I think un- unrealistic age gap because there's a lot that we can do to improve that, and um, and bad to the bone. So those are our four. So thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope you. We're fooled by my American accent this whole time. This is how I really speak. Sasha Baron Cohen has been doing this podcast. <laughs> He's actually wife. all three of us. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. I've been Jeff. I am Richard. <laughs> I'm Michael. <laughs>